Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Coming off of an amazing NXT takeover, there is so much to unpack, and we are mere days away from what could be the greatest wrestling match ever. Plus, podcast worlds collide. Kayfabe is broken. Matt Cardona, the former Zack Ryder, is here. This is it. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. How about it, huh? How about it? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Happy Monday if you're listening on time. If not, happy day. I don't care what day of the week it is for you. I just hope you're having a good one. Could be Wednesday. Could be six months from now. It's a podcast. It just lasts forever. Could be years from now. You can go back on this feed that you're listening on right now, and you could hear, this is episode, I think, 294 or something like that, plus bonus episodes. You can go back and listen to episode one right now if you want to. That's how crazy this podcast world is, but whatever day you're listening to it, happy day. We're coming to you now at the time of this recording, and by the way, if you were uh, a Not Sam Shill on Patreon, you would have this mere minutes after I was done recording it, but... As of press time, we are mm, 30 minutes, 30 minutes removed from NXT TakeOver in your house. Um, I, I tore myself away from the WWE 24 Ric Flair special, ironically about WrestleMania 24, which I was in attendance for. So I'll probably be scanning the special, looking for my afro head in there. Probably won't be there, though. You know, I wasn't working for WWE at the time. It was a long time ago, but I was there. I was at the show. I was doing some media stuff that week, I think. Um, but it, it was amazing. The first part of it that I watched was really, really good. And just anytime they start going over Ric Flair and his career and who he was as a person, like, I don't know how exactly to handle it. Because, you know, uh, I all, I, by the way, I saw both of my children being married. I mean, being married. I will see both of my children be married one day, God willing. But I saw both of my children be born. I was there for my wedding. I'll be honest. Now that I say I was there for my wedding, I actually missed the rehearsal to the wedding. I was late. I, I was late. I actually pulled up, and my wife was finishing the wedding rehearsal. That actually is true. But I made the rehearsal dinner. That's the point. I was working that morning. I was on the radio. So what, what are you going to do? And I made both my kids birds. The first one I came real close, though. Thank God the first kid uh, came 11 days late. Because four days after my wife was due, and I never even told WWE this, I was, uh, I was in Phoenix, Arizona for the Elimination Chamber that year. It was only my second gig with WWE. So, And then my second kid, we did, we scheduled a C-section so that I could be there for NXT TakeOver 25. But look, I'm watching this Ric Flair 24, and he said that he worked, he has four kids, 
And he was working the day that all of them were born. Which, when I first saw it, I was going to present to my wife, hey man, like, you know, just that's Ric Flair. So what's good enough for Ric Flair is good enough for me, right? And she goes, yeah, but what's good enough for Ric Flair's wife? I don't, you know, I don't think Ric Flair's wives are the happiest people in the world with the husbands that they chose. Now I go, Jess, that's a great point. Maybe I shouldn't have brought that up. So now that I now that I think it out in my head a little bit, I'm glad I got a chance to talk this over with you guys. I probably won't bring that up as two points for the last professional broadcaster, hack wrestling journalist, Scoops Roberts. Probably won't bring that up in my favor. Um, but what I will do, speaking of working and speaking of takeover, uh, is of course it is busy, busy weekend for your boy. I was uh, there with Scott Stanford and a skyping in Pat McAfee. Um, as we did the NXT TakeOver In Your House kickoff. First of all, I loved the motif. I never thought anybody that knows radio history knows how ironical it is that... Uh, ironical is not a word. Thanks. Uh, that I was on a WWE show with Todd Pettengill this weekend. Even if we weren't in the exact same room at the exact same time, the fact that we were on the same show, it's wild. It's nuts. I never would have expected it. Uh, but I loved... Everything that they did to make this feel old school. I mean, the little, like the tonight with the tonight graphics that they used to use back in the day and the music that they used to use back in the day and everything. The intro was great. The NXT logo coming up and all mirrored and everything was awesome. Um, promotional consideration paid for by the following. When I looked at, when I listened to it, I was like, is somebody doing like a bad Lord Alfred Hayes impression, and then I realized, nope, that's just enthusiastic William Regal. That is freaking amazing. Loved that. Loved the in-your-house setup. I always wondered why more people didn't jump off the roof of the house. You know, you're a kid, you're like, I hope somebody climbs up to the roof of that house and jumps off. Io Shirai made all our dreams come true. Um, we'll get into the whole show, but I thought the the motif was great. I was trending on Twitter. I did I did get some flack. A lot of it negative, believe it or not. There was some negative feedback about my uh, performance, which I thought was fantastic. I thought it was great. I thought I brought up a lot of great points. Not all of my predictions were right, but many were. What did I go? Uh, one, two, okay, three for six. That's still, if you're in baseball, that's a Hall of Fame average. So that's really not that bad. But, but still, I mean, you know, People accuse me of being negative, but if you go back and watch that thing, I mean, Scott Stanford started the whole thing negative to begin with. Scott Stanford is really the problem, and McAfee really does come across as hostile more often than not. So, you know, I, I, I'm just trying to stand up for myself in there, okay? I don't want to be bullied, but, you know, I turn around, and apparently that's not, that's not the thing to do on social media. I don't know what to tell you, but luckily for me, I'm not terribly concerned with it. Um, it was a blast being there in Stanford and doing it. I was... Uh, not only do I have a great time, but like, dude, it is, I feel safer in terms of my physical health and in terms of, you know, everything we're going through with uh, Coroni. I feel safer in the WWE's studio than I do in my own house. I mean, masks, filling out forms, uh, everybody's staying apart. Like, it really is. I don't know what it's like in Orlando. I can't speak to that. But I can speak to Stanford and tell you that there's a reason why they've been able to maintain the show as long as they have with everything that's going on. And that's because they're taking everything extremely seriously, extremely seriously. So uh, big props to WWE on that. Um, 
I know, shocker, right? Last professional broadcaster giving props to WWE. Well, I give credit where credit's due. And we have to give credit where credit is due to what was a fantastic takeover show. You know, this is one of those things, and we talked about it uh, either on Thursday, not Sam Thursday, or last Monday, maybe both, that there was something plaguing me, which was uh, how are they going to pull this off? You know, the magic of takeover is really a lot has to do with the energy of the audience. That the audience, I mean, these are the only arena shows that NXT runs. Uh, They're also NXT's best shows. So the audience is usually so hungry for NXT, and then when NXT shows up and over-delivers, the audience, in turn, by instinct, over-delivers, and you end up with this, you know, explosion of energy, uh, which even if you have trainees and Zia Lee, I don't know why, she, I saw Zia Lee in the audience. I was like, get her out of the audience! She's a character on television! Uh, but when you got trainees in the audience, it's like, are they going to be able, the people who interact, they're coworkers. They're watching their coworkers perform, which there are a lot of people on Sirius that I have admiration for. A lot of radio shows on Sirius that I'm like, oh, man, I'm glad to see Nicole is doing a good job over at the mashup. Ah, look at uh, look at my pal Jason Ellis just tearing it up on the afternoons there on uh, Sirius XM 103. This is great, huh? Listen to Bennington. How wonderful are they? But my relationship with those shows is a lot different than if I didn't work for Sirius. It's a, there's a closeness. There's a, 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 a you know, that, that that separation between audience member and performer is real and impacts the relationship that the audience member has with the performer. So I did wonder, and let's be honest, an arena full of people or 20 trainees, like, it's a big difference. I thought that the energy was good. Uh, I thought that the people that were in the audience did a good job of keeping the energy up the whole night, but... People that you got to give props to. I mean, number one, every single match on the show was great. There wasn't one match on that show that I wouldn't be like, yeah, you should check that out. Every single match had stuff to talk about, had reasons for being. Um, Every single match was really, really good. Every single match had a real finish. All these stories were concluded, at least this chapter was anyway. I, I just thought, I just thought it was great from top to bottom. You know, this isn't one of those takeovers that you're going to be like, okay, well, there's all these takeovers. And then takeover in your house is, well, you know, there's a pandemic going on. We'll just kind of give them that mulligan. No, not for me. Not for me. I thought it was really good. It looks different. It's not the arena show. But like, for instance, WrestleMania this year, I think it looks different, but it's not. I'm not going to sit here and say it's the worst WrestleMania of all time. There was some good stuff at WrestleMania this year. So I don't know where I would rank it. One day, one day I'll rank all the takeovers. But the thing about takeover is you get so caught up in the moment that it becomes really, really difficult to put everything into proper perspective. After every takeover, you're pretty sure you just saw a top five takeover of all time. I don't know that I've ever left a takeover going, that was not top 10. You know what I mean? So, and this one's no different. Uh, Started with the six-person tag. Shotzi Blackheart, uh, Mia Yim, and Tegan Knox over Candice LeRae, uh, 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 Raquel Gonzalez, and Dakota Kai. Although I did predict that the good guys would win on the podcast. I should have stuck with that prediction when I did the kickoff show. I just, I got caught up in the Candice LeRae Johnny thing when I was doing the kickoff, uh, uh, the pre-show. Um, 
So I guess theoretically, you know, if you had asked me on Thursday, I wasn't surprised that the good guys won. But I was surprised that it didn't really feed into the Johnny Gargano, uh, Keith Lee story at all. It was just a different thing. It was just a moment to, I think Tegan Knox got the cover, right? It was just a moment to let Tegan Knox shine, which, you know, clearly they're high on Tegan Knox. But I think my statement uh, on the kickoff show about it being a display of how good that women's roster is stands. And, and, and we stand for what happened later on in the night. Uh, we go to the second match, which was Finn Balor uh, defeating uh, Damian Priest. I st- I, mean, I think they, Damian Priest got a ton of offense in. I still think it was a really, really good performance for Damian Priest. I think that the right person won that match. But I also think that now it's time for Damian Priest to get some victories. I think that we are at a point now where Damian Priest has looked good in plenty of big matches that he hasn't won. So now we're getting to this place where he does have to start winning matches so we can get Damian Priest to be that future main eventer that I believe he has the potential to be. Um, I do say that that Finn Balor was the right person to win, though, because I think that you're building Finn Balor to be at this place where he's almost bigger than the champion, where he's the he is the biggest star in NXT and he is the most unbeatable person in NXT. He's almost above the whole brand to the point where you stack him up against a person who also can't lose. And now we're really dealing with something. Um, You know, I think uh, a lot of people are assuming that his next move is to be with Adam Cole but I think that's something we got to talk about. Um, let's get to the rest of the matches first. Uh, Keith Lee defeated Johnny Gargano, which I was surprised by. I thought Johnny Gargano was a no-brainer here. But maybe maybe they don't want two bad guy champions. Maybe, uh, you know, clearly they really want to push this new generation from NXT. The generation that I feel is going to be responsible for another golden era. But I, I think they want to not have... Right now... I think going into this show, and I know because I, I, I kind of think about these stories in my head before I do these uh, pre-shows, because I think about, like, what do I really think about what's going on? And I think the stories that uh, Rhea Ripley and Keith Lee were telling were very, very similar. Even though Keith Lee still had his title, he really has lost momentum since Royal Rumble. Um, and I think beating Gargano is a big step. I think we can now have plenty of mixed tag matches on TV and stuff. But I think by next takeover, there has to be a formidable opponent for Keith Lee built. And there are a couple of directions we can go in, and we'll talk about that. Um, Adam Cole defeats the Velveteen Dream. Not a shocker um, for me, anyway. I thought that was great. I thought the presentation of it was great. Um I loved Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole being on top of the ladder. Velveteen is about to do a thing. Honk, honk, honk. The interference of the Undisputed Era was done perfectly, like, you know, just being a distraction in the car and everything. Dexter Loomis is under the ring. The backlot looked cool. I liked that they filmed it. It was like this hybrid where they did technically film it cinematically, but they still did commentary over it, and they still kept it feeling like it was a part of the show. Um... Yeah, I thought it was nice. I thought, and I thought it broke up the action very, very well. Um, so I thought that was a big success, and I'm, I'm glad that Adam Cole won because, again, I think that you're building Adam Cole to also 
be in this position where he's kind of unbeatable. And that may play into where we're going, but it may not as well. Um, Carrying Cross over Tommaso Ciampa. And I mean over Tommaso Ciampa. I, Ciampa got in enough offense that he came across like a serious threat. But I think Morrow shouting out that this is his shortest. He's I think he's had 13 takeover matches or something, whatever Morrow said. And this is the shortest one and he lost. This is a different Champa. I said it on the kickoff show that he's lost his edge. You know, I think that uh, this is this is not the Champa that we saw with Johnny Gargano. This is a different performer. This is a different character. This is a different guy. Uh, clearly, Karrion Cross is the next big thing in NXT. Clearly. You don't have him beat Champa. I was going to I guess, no, it wasn't technically his first NXT match. He wrestled on TV because we've seen the entrance before. But his first big match, his first pay-per-view match, he destroys Tommaso Ciampa to the point where, like, there's no reason to have that match again or even think about having that match again. Like, you can't even have the discussion. Who do you think's better? I was made very, very clear who's better. Um, All he's got to do is move upwards and onwards from there. Um, You know, I think the carrying cross thing is so interesting because when you see him, and I don't want to compare every great character to, to The Undertaker. I've done that before. I think people do that. But Michelle McCool said something interesting uh, on the uh, Undertaker uh, Last Ride documentary, which was that when she met Undertaker, he and Kane were the two people that she didn't even want to meet because she was, like, intimidated. And she said that she thinks it's because she, the character is so believable that it comes across real. And I think that a lot of fans are like that. Like, you know, we kind of, we're all smart. We all know kayfabe. But there are certain characters that defy our uh, intelligence to what we're watching. Undertaker is among those characters. But Karrion Cross is, you know. When you look at Karrion Cross on TV, he comes across like a guy who will kill you. He comes, he's scary. I'm a grown man watching this thing. And I'm like, I wouldn't. I saw him at work. I work there. If I saw him at work, I would probably just, you know, kind of nod hello and keep walking. This is not a guy that I want to make friends with. He seems scary to me. And that's why I think one of the reasons why the character works so well, I think the presentation's unique. Having Scarlet there is like next level, next level. Uh, like I said, you know, there's nothing like his entrance. You know, the, he stays in this character that feels like him. I, I just think he's great. Um, and I'm happy he beat Champa, and I'm happy he did it in such a uh, a dominating way. And then probably surprise of the night in probably the best match of the night, Io Shirai beats Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. Charlotte had the figure four on Rhea. Io went for the cover. Uh, very similar to the uh, Rockstar Spud, Drake Maverick uh, finish to the Cruiserweight match uh, a couple weeks ago where he beat Kushida. Um, and uh, Jake Atlas? Was that the other person in uh... No, it wasn't Jake Atlas. It was somebody else. I don't remember who it was. Uh, you guys are probably yelling at your podcast right now or your whatever phones or however you listen to this. Um, so I, I, I think that, uh, but I think it's a good thing. You know, I, I like that there's some fresh fresh blood. Um, I like that they're giving EO a shot. I think EO is the greatest. You guys know how long I've been an EO Shirai fan. Um, and it reopens the women's division, in my opinion. Realistically speaking, even Io Shirai, like, who besides Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai would be realistic opponents for Charlotte? No one. 
Now that Io Shirai is champion again, I think we can talk about Rhea Ripley's quest to become champion and the fact that she simply can't do it. Um, and I think we can start opening it up. I think we can sit there and say, and say we can build Tegan Knox to an Io Shirai Tegan Knox match. Shotzi Blackheart. Certainly, I mean, the, the Candice LeRae that we know now, we saw Candice and Io when Io first turned to the dark side. And Eo killed her. So now that uh, Candace is a little more dark than, than even Eo is, maybe that's something we revisit. There's a lot of directions we could go in, and I really, really like that. Um, but I was thinking about the future. So I, my personal pick for Eo, I, I would love to see her do something with Dakota Kai first and have Rhea kind of go through this path of proving herself again where she's taken out, you know, Maybe maybe she's the first to have a match with Candace or 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 Mia Yim or something. I don't know. I don't know. But I would love it if Dakota Kai were Io Shirai's first opponent. Um, I was thinking about what to do with Keith Lee. I think I think Keith Lee Finn. So I'm trying to figure out what to do with Finn Balor, and I'm stuck between two things. So originally, I was like clearly. Finn Balor is going to be Adam Cole's next opponent, right? And it's like, no, I don't think so. And I don't think that's the way to go anyway, because uh, I think we're pushing young right now. We're pushing the next generation of NXT, not the kind of elder statesman as Adam Cole and, and Finn Balor both are. You know, you don't want to see Adam Cole drop the title to somebody who's been around even longer than Adam Cole. And you also don't really want to see Adam Cole beat him. Like, that, that match doesn't do it for me. It doesn't push NXT forward. So, I mean, I think clearly Dexter Loomis is Adam Cole's next opponent. Um, I don't see Dexter Loomis as NXT champion. I see that as a uh, placeholder before the next opponent is ready. So, I think Finn Balor can do one of two things. Either... Finn Balor can serve up Adam Cole's next opponent or Finn Balor can put Keith Lee on the map. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I think Finn Balor would probably be better used serving up Adam Cole's next opponent. I think maybe, maybe Keith Lee's next opponent is Tommaso Ciampa. You know, I really like the idea of Keith Lee versus Tommaso Ciampa. And maybe watching Tommaso Ciampa get rebuilt. And that way Keith Lee can get a victory over Ciampa. It would stay in that Gargano family and it would still be huge to watch it happen. Um, I want to see Karrion Cross versus Finn Balor. I think that, that you really want to make a statement. I think Karrion Cross versus Finn Balor is the way to go. Karrion Cross hands Finn Balor his first defeat in NXT since coming back. And I think after that is when you have Karrion Cross versus Adam Cole for the NXT championship. Because once Karrion Cross has dominated Tommaso Ciampa, once Karrion Cross has beaten Finn Balor, and maybe you don't even do it at the next takeover, maybe it's the takeover after next. Maybe Finn Balor gets another victory over, I mean, he, I think he, Oh, I just technically, technically, Trevor Lee beat Finn Balor, right, on NXT TV. But, I mean, you know, we all know what that was. 
So I guess Finn Balor still owes him one, but I don't think you need to do that at a takeover. Um, there should be... I, I'd like to see Finn Balor get one more big victory. He's beaten Johnny Gargano. He's beaten... Uh, Damien, uh, uh, Damien Priest. There must be, and, and, and maybe it takes building somebody. But I'd like to see a story told where Finn Balor gets one more victory. I think he could get one more big victory where you're questioning whether or not he'll get it. Then go on to face Karrion Cross. In the meantime, Karrion Cross has beaten everybody. So you're sitting there going like, well, Finn Balor's not going to get beat. He's going to be the champion. Only to have him lose to Karrion Cross, And now Karrion Cross sits there and looks at Adam Cole. And he goes, me and you, Cole. And I'll tell you where I'm at when that happens. You know, that might be, that might be the moment that uh, it's time for Adam Cole to sacrifice the NXT championship. We'll see when we get there. But it was a great takeover. Can't wait to see NXT on Wednesday and all the fallout. Thought it was awesome. Can't wait till... Possibly the greatest match ever on Sunday. I'm I'm actually I've gotten so excited for it. I mean, they've hyped it up so much. Something's got to give here. Something's got to give. I'm not asking around for spoilers or anything, but something's got to give, and I think something will give. And we'll get there. We'll get to it. We'll talk about it on the Thursday podcast for sure. Maybe we'll drop something special before the pay-per-view cuz now we have to clear the field. Now Something's going to happen that I think people probably didn't think were, was ever going to happen. If you've listened to the major wrestling figure podcast, you know that I've been a thorn in their side for a long time. However, I thought that uh, Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder, still had a lot to offer you guys. Still had a lot to offer in a discussion about his career in WWE. And now I thought it was a fitting time to to talk about some of the highlights uh, of his time with WWE. Um, of course... Zack Ryder, he came in uh, as uh, one of the major brothers with Kurt Hawkins. Uh, very, very quickly, they turned into Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, the edge heads. Zack Ryder ends up going to ECW, becomes Long Island Ice-Z, starts up his uh, YouTube show, you know, whatever it was, uh, set years before being the elite and uh, kind of, turns marketing yourself as a professional wrestler on its head, believe it or not. Uh, the way this thing catches fire like nothing else had on the internet for wrestlers on that level in WWE before. Um, has an amazing year with the success of that show. Uh, and then has a couple of years that are not amazing. Um, ends up uh, eventually in a tag team with Mojo Rawley called the Hype Bros. Gets injured a few times. Is off TV for a year, is back on TV. He's back on a tag team with Kurt Hawkins. They become tag team champions on the way. He's got this amazing moment when he wins the United States Championship when nobody thought he would do anything. He's got an amazing WrestleMania moment where he wins the Intercontinental Championship. And he's got a toy collection that is just to die for. There's a clearly a lot to talk about with Zack Ryder. So this is going to be a nice lengthy one. Strap in. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, this week on Not Sam Wrestling, the one, the only, Long Island Ice-Z, woo-woo-woo, you know it, formerly known as Zack Ryder, always with a Z, ready. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Matt Cardona. 
The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. I know that you guys have been waiting on this for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here he is on the podcast. You might know him as, uh, depending on how long you've known him, maybe you, you knew him at one point as Long Island IZ. Maybe you knew him as an edgehead. Maybe you knew him as a major brother. Maybe you just knew him as Zack Ryder. But today, he's known as always ready Matt Cardona. <laughs> Sam, I don't know what proves that kayfabe is dead more. That the Undertaker does a tell-all on the last ride or that I'll admit right now that all our beef, it's for show. <laughs> it's for the podcast wars, you know, that we actually do like each other. Well, um, yeah, but the 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 only the only hiccup here is that this had to be a non-figure related interview, right? Because if we I start mean, talking about figures, we will definitely whether because I I think I think that neither of us really know whether it's real or fake once we start talking about figures because we get like weird and defensive. So if we well, start talking about figures, we're gonna start fighting. I think kayfabe is dead. It's been for a long time, but wrestling figure kayfabe lives. That's right. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And so, so this is not canon for the major wrestling figure podcast. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So we're not. Yeah, this is outside of that universe. Right. This is not canon. Completely. Like here. Here, like Bill could walk in here bone dry, not sweating a drop, because it's not canon. Who's Bill? Exactly. 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 It doesn't exist exactly. here. Yeah. Bill Clinton? <laughs> I will say, though, and I need you to know this as a fact, and I need this to be on the record, that uh, I technically did indeed join the Mattel Elite Squad while you guys were still a member. I joined the Elite Squad at the same time that you guys did your last thing, the the, uh, the WrestleMania reveals, I think. But in my, in my opinion, that doesn't count because we didn't, you know, we didn't get a vote. And uh, not saying we would have voted yes or no, but, I see. you know, with the state of the world, the state of, you know, Mattel, the toy business, we, we, you know, only two guys could do what we did. No script. Do it like, hey, we need to do this. Cover everything. We're just going to put fig figures on screen and you guys can nail it. And we did. Right. Uh, but, you know, the, the elite squad is in good hands with you and uh, Johnny and Candace. Um, yeah, my point it is, is what it is. I feel like Johnny and Candace took your guys spot and I took Kathy Kelly's spot. Well, you you actually do something for the show, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I, guess, I don't know about that. I guess that's that's actually a good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, you it's interesting. It seems like your last WWE figure is going to be chronicling like the first big thing that you and Kurt Hawkins did in WWE, assuming it still right. comes out. And I'm talking about the Edgeheads. Hey, don't 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 put any bad karma <laughs> out there. The figure gods, if you're listening, uh, I do believe the the Edgeheads. Yeah. Uh, Edge with his interchangeable Edgeheads. Right. Uh, Zack Ryder head, a Kurt uh, Hawkins head, which, by the way, Sam, was all my idea. Was it really? My I've been pitching it for years. Wow. It finally slipped through the cracks. There was a lot of hiccups, a lot of, <laughs> yes, it's happening. No, it's not happening. Like, we saw pictures, then we heard it's canceled. It's coming, we think. Okay. Uh, so it is cool that our last figure will be kind of like our first big thing. You know, right. There was never any major brother figures, right. but it's cool. I mean, did we get screwed? No Hawkins and Ryder, Elite, Mania Gear. Yes, but that's for a different podcast. That's now. a different thing altogether. Right? That's when, that's, we get back into, that's when we get back into canon. That's right. That's, that's right. It, yeah, we're going too far out. So yeah. when, when you and Hawkins come in, right, and you guys are edgeheads. Right. In the beginning, I mean, you did the smart thing, which is eventually you stopped painting on all the edge tattoos. But in the beginning, you guys both painted on the complete 
replicas of the edge tattoos. Did you guys paint those on yourselves? No, no, no. So essentially what was supposed to happen was that it was supposed to be a one night thing. Mm -hmm. And I guess there were supposed to be like stencils, but of course they weren't there. I see. <laughs> so like the makeup ladies and a bunch of different people had to draw them on with Sharpies. <laughs> so it was on, right? Yeah. So that was a, a Sunday. <laughs> and then, you know, Mondays, you know, Rob, but we're not on Raw because we're on SmackDown. Right. And then they taped SmackDown Tuesday. So all Sunday, Monday, we're scrubbing it off because it's supposed to be a one night thing. Right. So we're trying to scrub off our arms for, for SmackDown. And of course, we get there and we're like, oh, no, you got to do it again. <laughs> we're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, but luckily, it was only a two night thing. Um, the, the Hedgehead thing was so cool. One thing that people don't really know is that we were supposed to be like um, – when we first switched our names all over from, from, from Brett Major, Brian Major to our real names. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> Zach Ryder, Kurt Hawkins. Right, of course. Uh, there was a little miscommunication. We almost became uh, like uh, – I think Ketis and Cobain were going to be our names with Ks. I love Cause, it because Johnny Johnny Ace was like, yeah, we need something like Slash or Axel or something like that, like to go with Edge, you know? Right, of course. Well, who's gonna be Kedis and who's gonna be Cobain? I was gonna be Cobain. That's and a better he was one. Be Kedis. <laughs> That's and then, a better like, one. A couple hours before, it's like, no, 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 real names, but not your real names. So we put together <laughs> Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, and then we even got uh, our, our our own gear uh -huh. that we ever ever wore. I think Hawkins ended up wearing it eventually, but I never wore it because the thing was we we're gonna be with Edge in that gear for like one night and then just be Edge's guys. Right. But be our own characters. And the the, the point in the beginning was not to be like little jabroni guys, which we ended up being just <laughs> jabroni guys. But right. at the same time, it was awesome because the learning experience that we got, and plus we were doing nothing on TV one week. Right. Literally nothing to being with Edge. So, and wrestling, Batista, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair. Right. Uh, Plus, it it's one of those things that people remember, too. Like, every that's the thing about Doink that everybody remembers, that there was another Doink under the ring. So the idea right. that Edge would be that next person that had another Edge hiding under the ring, I mean, it's not a bad spot to be in. No, it was an excellent spot, and, you know, it was something that we had pitched. And uh, Edge, we did not know him. Adam, we didn't know him, really, just besides hello and goodbye. Yeah. He did not need us. <laughs> he did not need to help these, these major brothers along, but he did. Um and I'm so thankful and grateful because I know for a fact we would have been fired uh, early 2008 because they used to <laughs> chop people all the time back then. Right, you know? right. Um, so he definitely saved our careers, and then obviously we we ran with it. Uh, but if it wasn't for Edge saying, yeah, let's take a chance with these kids because uh, he was the world heavyweight champion or was going to be. Right. Had been the champion before. Did he really need Brett and Brian Major? No. No. But he, he, he realized that it was a great idea, and, you know, we all ran with it. Were you guys wearing Edge's old tights, or did Edge just have three pairs of gear made up every time that he got gear made up, or how did you? How did that work? Oh, I think for the first night, it's all new gear, but it all is the fit Edge. So like it's like black with a silver star. So it's a little yeah. too baggy and big for me. Uh -huh. It looks like Jerry Lynn tights on me. You know? <laughs> yeah, like like that like that like crushed plasticky looking yeah. thing because you could see the wrinkles. Yes, yeah. and then we only got I think two more pairs of tights. That we got to fit us. And I don't even think they matched Edge. Like, they were to compliment, but they weren't the same ones he was wearing, you know? Right. Right. Because the idea wasn't supposed to be you were just pretending to be Edge. The idea was supposed to be that you were different people. Right. That right. just were friends with Edge. Right. But 
it got lost in translation, and yeah. we eventually just became the Edge Heads, or right. as Shawn Michaels called us on Raw once, uh, the Edge Guys. <laughs> uh, I, I, we were setting up this big, I think it's like a, a six-man tag, or it turns into like a handicap match with with Flair and Shawn Michaels for SmackDown, and this is our big moment. Shawn is like, you know, accepting the challenge or laying out the challenge, and he, on live TV, he's like, and those. Edge guys and like the whole locker room pops and me and Hawkins are like no like we're losers we're officially losers yeah uh, yeah was, one moment because you're like in your 20s at that point so one moment you're like this is so cool Shawn Michaels is talking about us and we're about to be on TV and then but it's as the Edge guys because, because you didn't know our names and that's not just Shawn Michaels that's everybody back there I, I say everybody the majority of the people right just do. Were the majors or the edgeheads or like you know I'd be in the hallway and like someone would say what's up guys but it would just be like me I'm like what guys you know like, <laughs> nobody knew who we were which yeah. is fine I get it and what really um, was challenging for us is when Edge got injured and the edgeheads were no more right and we were just the guys that looked like Edge and like okay we switched up our gear we're Hawkins right but nobody cared nobody right. had anything because, invested in us right because who is that's what I was thinking like who is at that point. Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. They don't, there is, you, you guys aren't anybody because you've just been sitting there being like, well, we're like Edge, except right. we're like the Edge guys. So we were at the, at that time, the tag team champions. Right. Didn't matter. No. We were at different gear. Didn't matter. We mm -hmm. still, uh, it wasn't until it was the draft of that year where we split, where we finally got the opportunity because we had been pitched. First of all, we were supposed to be split up like instantly mm -hmm. and then it never happened. So we just kept getting brought to TV and like losing to Great Khali in handicap matches, <laughs> or losing to Fiddling and Hornswoggle. Um, but nothing was getting done, and we had been—we uh, actually just put it up on YouTube. This this pitch that we had sent in that we gave to the writers, where I was still the woo 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 guy, but Hawkins was like like you know like the straight man to it, you know, like he'd be right. like, oh god, you know, like look at this idiot, and I'd like ruin things for him by being so goofy, and that was the dynamic that I think we kind of have in real life. Yeah, but. The, with the you hear that volume raised up. The yeah. volume was raised up a ton for that, uh, and that was what we were trying to pitch. And then eventually, I mean, it all worked out for me because I became it by myself. <laughs> right? Yeah. You just did right. that, and you're like, "Why don't you do that without you? I don't need a straight man. I'll just do it." Well, no, that wasn't my decision. I got I got drafted to ECW. Right. Uh, and then, uh, and they wanted to run with that. And like, okay, can I cut my hair? Mm -hmm. That's what I want. I'm like, can I cut my hair. I have this idea. Can I wear the one-legged tights? Uh, I just wanted to be as different as I could from that look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, you were a completely different person. Now you're actually a person. Like, this is a personality. This is something. When I see him, I know who he is. Not just, oh, that's that right. guy that used to be with Edge. Right. So whether is whether they knew my name or not, they knew, oh, that's the woo-woo-woo guy. That's right. the guy who wears the one like a tights. I was, it, the Edge head thing was out of their mind. Right. But right. The, the, the one, I think probably the best part about the Edge head thing was WrestleMania 24, right? Getting to do that run in. 100%. Yeah, for the Undertaker match. Is that one of those things where are you just so pumped that you're about, like, we're just going to be involved in this match? Or are you nervous that you're like, oh, my God, this is the main event and it's the Undertaker match, and that's Undertaker. And if we screw anything up, like, I don't want to piss him off. Undertaker was super cool during this whole uh, experience. Like, I, I worked him on SmackDown one-on-one. -on -one. Uh -huh. I remember he was asking me, like, what I wanted to do. And then afterwards, uh, sat me down and said, okay, we need to work on this. Or this was good. This wasn't good. So he was always super cool. When he didn't need to be, it's the Undertaker, right? Right. right. Uh, to be in that situation, to run out and be involved in the main event, uh, I remember sitting in uh, the, the rehearsals for that match. 
and like, oh my God, we're, we're, we're like getting this learning experience that people would only dream of yes. behind the scenes of a WrestleMania main event and we're going to be involved. Um, the only thing I was really nervous about was that we'd get like crucified or like sacrificed the week before in Miss WrestleMania, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put in a casket and then back to OVW, you know, something like that. Yeah. But luckily that didn't happen and we got to do the little run in and uh, the, the main event run in, which was great. Uh, there's like um, a photo, like this fan captured photo of us helping Edge to the back. And it's such a cool photo, like a bird's eye view of all of us, like while the pyro's going off and stuff like that. Uh, and we were just so young then that we're, you know, we're like, okay, this is just the next step in our career. Maybe next year at WrestleMania, we'll wrestle in a triple threat match. Right. Me, and Edge, you know? <laughs> yeah. little, little did we know we'd be in Lumberjacks you know, in the pre show. Right. That's how business works, right? That's exactly how the business works. Yeah. This is how the business works. That, like, you've got two legends, like The Undertaker and Edge. And The Undertaker's photo from WrestleMania is him with Triple H and Shawn Michaels. And they're together. And Edge's photo from WrestleMania is you and Hawkins and him at like 22 years old going like, all right, well, I guess this is the three that I get. Well, I mean, I, to me, it's just as important. For you, it is. Yeah, for, for you. It's a great photo for you. It's a great photo for Hawkins. <laughs> I think Adam liked it too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he did. <laughs> so when you're, when you're like, when you go over to ECW and you become Long Island IC and you start to take off, like that character, I feel like I got it because I'm around the same age as you and I'm from the East Coast. So I immediately knew exactly who that guy was. But it's right. also one of those things that I look back on and go, I wonder if like the people who go like, OK, yeah, that's a good idea. Go do that on television. Like, did you have to explain to them what? Here's the problem. There were a couple writers who got it. Yeah. They're these guys. Um, they understood it. Um what what essentially was going on is that I was going out. I was you know 22, maybe 23 at the time, going out to clubs, to bars on Long Island, New York City, and seeing all these idiots, and I hated them. I said, "This is what I need to be." Yeah, you know, just the spiky hair, the sunglasses inside, headbands, pop collars. Like I need to be this. Yeah, and it took a long time. Uh, I was doing it on TV, I think, for people to really catch on to what it was. And then eventually Jersey Shore came out. And then people were like, oh, Zach Ryder ripped off Jersey Shore. I'm like, I came first. What are you talking <laughs> about? I came first. Yeah. You know? Um, but ECW was such a great time for me because, you know, big fish, small pond, whatever. That's what I needed at that time. Um, you know, it was an, an hour show. And it was for guys, you know, it was like the, you know, the Island of Misfit Toys, you know, yeah. and I was thrown there. And, uh, you know, whether I got promo time or backstage vignettes or getting to work Christian, uh, it really, you know, helped my confidence and also helped me in the ring. Because before that, I had maybe like three singles matches my entire career. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was always a tag team guy with Hawkins. So I needed that. So just adjusting to a single style is totally different. Um and to get to work with guys like Christian and Regal and Tommy Dreamer, uh, great learning experience. Where'd the one-legged tights come from? So, like I said, I knew I wanted to be completely different right. uh, with, the, with the hair and the headband. And I remember this guy in Deep South Wrestling, this guy, Crew Jones, uh -huh. he wore one-legged tights. And I thought it was so obnoxious. I'm like, this, this fits. Yeah. Uh, and I remember – uh, at first the writers wanted me to wear jeans. I was like, Oh no, like jeans and like a dress shirt. I'm like, ah, cause then you take the dress shirt off. What am I going to, it looks like I'm like Jimmy Wang Yang. <laughs> right. You know? Right. So they were like, go, go, 
go pitch it to Vince, pitch it to Vince. And like, I remember like Vince was doing like rehearsals, like leading rehearsal at the ring. And I had it on. I'm like, Vince, it's okay. And he like brushed me off. And I said the right, he loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's it. I mean, that's sometimes that's what you got to do. Yeah, no, I think that's, of course, that's what you have to do. Because if you, you also know, right, that when you're pitching that to Vince McMahon, like, there's no reason for you to think, like, oh, he's going to totally get this. One-legged tights, Long Island, like, Guido Club Kid. Like, that's right up Vince's alley. He's going to know exactly what I'm going for. Like, you know, he he's, said, yeah, it's good, or whatever he said. It was right. something like, just brush. It was, it was busy. He was yeah. running rehearsals for, for ECW SmackDown. Uh, but, hey, it all worked out. I got to wear it. Uh, very toyetic, as they say in the biz. That's what I was going to uh, ask you. Did you think to yourself, because, I mean, that's the, like, that Zack Ryder action figure is still very, very valuable. Did you think to yourself, like, they're going to want to make a figure out of the one guy who wears the one-legged tights and all bright colors? And I'm always thinking figures. Always. <laughs> oh, you have to. You have to. You have that's to. Right. Yeah. And some people think figures just for the money of it. But you're thinking figures because you're like, no, I need more Zack Riders on the shelf. Right. 100%. Yeah. In my collection. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you collect the Hawkins figures, too? I think my favorite, like, uh, Ruthless Aggression era Hawkins figures, the one where they actually made him wearing the hoodie that says Hawkins across the front. Well, I'm in a two-pack with him, so I have to count it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that does so make sense. Faults, I have to get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, ECW is also, of course, where you got to go one-on-one -on -one with uh, uh, Rapid Delivery. Um, that's the, of, of course you've talked about it on your podcast, like, you know, a thousand times, but that's the pan, the tights ripping, uh, right. incident. But were you excited? Like, just as like a, a, a wrestling Mark, fan. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Delivery, Roy Fox, MTV True Life. <laughs> I was so excited. Um, so he's the enhancement talent for the night. You know, it's supposed to be me, you know, going over strong. I give him a couple shots, you know, right. give you know, give him a little, little, he's, he's you know, delivery. little yeah. <laughs> yeah. I give all, you know, pull the trunks, you know, pull them into the, uh, the turnbuckle. Uh -huh. his, his trunks were made of dust. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So usually when you have trunks, they're sewn at the sides, the seam are on the side. Yeah. His were sewn at the crotch, like connecting the front and the back. Yeah. As I pull, whole thing explodes. I have no idea what's going on. Right. <laughs> so he's in the corner now covering up. I don't think anything of it. Of course not. Right? Yeah. Give him the, the brute in the corner. Uh-huh. At the time, that wasn't one of my big signatures, so I couldn't pull him out for the cover yet. What I would do was I'd give him a, the old slingshot. <laughs> the worst the move you could take and, with no tights on, by the way. And when I had hooked, and I looked down, I realized what's going on. <laughs> right, right. Right? You saw rapid delivery. I thought. Yeah. Um, I give him the slingshot, and then I'm thinking, well, it's a get-over match. I can't, I can't beat him with a slingshot. <laughs> So I have to give him the, the sack attack, of course, of which course. is some weird, he's bent over, knee in the neck, grab the arm, neck breaker. If you find photos online, he's covered up the whole time. <laughs> I hit him with it. One, two, three. Um, luckily, this was like live to tape. Right. So they had a couple hours to adjust it, where if you watch it back, you just see like my chest up the, like the last half of the match. <laughs> is, he, is he pissed? Because I mean, like I'd be pissed even if I believed you. That you didn't do it on purpose. I'm like, okay, accidents happen. But why did he keep going that long? Like, because he wanted to make sure that everything worked. Like, I, I had no tights on. Why couldn't? What was he gonna do? <laughs> what was he gonna do? He probably, from his perspective, he's probably thinking like, I understand you normally wouldn't, but just pin me with the slingshot. You figured it out. What the problem is? <laughs> uh, so I got to the back and yeah. I was so nervous. Like, am I gonna get in trouble? But the the whole gorilla position was laughing. Everyone was laughing. They kept replaying it over and over. <laughs> all these tackles, his little dick flopping, you know. <laughs> and he was angry at me. He told yeah. me I was pulling his tights too hard. 
But, dude, first of all, he didn't have any under trucks on. Come on. His tights were made of dust. Yeah. The seat was underneath. And for years, he thought, like, I had been, like, convinced to do it. Like, you can't rip someone's tights on purpose. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like you can't sit there and go, like, okay, here's the plan. We'll rip his tights off his body. Like, tights don't rip apart. You're supposed to wrestle in them. (laughs) They're supposed to be strong. So, uh, now we're buddies. And then this is, obviously, since it's not canon, um, we do stuff on the major wrestling podcast where he has pulled my pants down. Right. Uh, he's hit me with my title. Uh, <laughs> so there's big beef, big war, but you know that's that's the podcast. We're not talking about the podcast. No. right now. That's canon. Um, that's right. Was was there a part of you when you're sitting there, right? And rampant delivery, Rory Fox is uh, yelling at you because you've embarrassed him so much. Are you just sitting there thinking like, oh my god, look, the guy from MTV is mad at me now. That's so funny. That, like, this- at that point, I, at that point, I just felt bad for him because I, I knew I wasn't in trouble. Right. You know? <laughs> I just felt bad for him. Like, oh, man, I hope they call him back. And I don't think they ever did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, too, you're like, I know this guy had a dream to be a superstar because I watched it on MTV. Right. I saw right. it. <laughs> it. It all worked out. Uh, he got his revenge like 10 years later at the live Major Reservoir Podcast 4. Right. Of course. Of course. My title. Um, not part of the script. He took the title, went downstairs, <laughs> uh-huh. and got naked and did the Shawn Michaels playgirl pose with the title. What? That was not part of the script. That was definitely not in canon. <laughs> I'm doing the show the whole time. I don't know what's going on. It's right. not until later I find out. Right. After doing the photo ops, posing with the title. <laughs> I don't know what it is about you. Every time you make a title, somebody you know has to do that naked Shawn Michaels pose with it. Well, you know. It is what it is. It's it's an infamous pose, and it I'm is. you know I make titles famous. What can I say? Yeah, you do. You really, really do. Um, so what was your what would you say is the best other than that? Obviously, the best single kind of moment from your ECW run. Uh, I think wrestling Christian. Yeah. Uh, or retiring Tommy Dreamer, who's still fucking wrestling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I was new. Yeah, I was there for that show, and he and he and he stood at the ramp, and his family was there, and he said goodbye, and then he's like, he's wrestling now more than anybody in the right. business. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, it was cool that uh, you know he trusted me uh, to do that, and wrestling Christian was super cool because I went from not really having any singles matches to wrestling Christian, the right. guy who a I think one of the most underrated, I take a shot, underrated performers of all time, and one of my favorites. Yeah. Favorites of all time. So that was really, really cool to wrestle Christian. So how do you, like, when you're that young, right, you've already now, you're still in your, like, mid-20s. Not even your late 20s yet. You're in, like, your mid-20s. You've now had a WrestleMania experience, let's call it. You've had a sit-down conversation with Undertaker about what you're doing wrong, what you're doing right. You've wrestled guys like Christian and Regal. Is there any of the kind of too much too soon, like, what do I do now stuff going on in your head at that point? Uh, I don't think so because I don't ever think we got like too much. Right. If that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. we, we were, if we like, you know, won the tag team titles like right away or something, but we were like with edge and, and we, it was a slow process. It, it might seem like it was fast. Cause like one night we're doing nothing. Then where the edge is, but it's a slow, slow build of, you know, we're, we're, you're on the outside, like literally on these live events, you know, whether we're working like Finley and Jamie Noble early in the show or Jesse and Festus, we're learning that way. And then we're outside the ring watching these main event matches, watching Edge, who I think the best in the world at that time, I, I definitely at that time. And we're, we're sitting there 
better than a front row seat, you know? Right. I mean, that, that learning experience was so invaluable. Uh, you know, people, people watch tape and they watch old footage and they study that way. I was standing there looking up watching, you know, edge versus the undertaker edge versus Batista, uh, crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I guess you take character building to another level. Cause obviously you're like, okay, I think this long Island, I see character is clicking like this works. People get it. It's unique. Although when Robbie E showed up on TNA, were you like, dude, what are you doing? Are you, are you trying to get me hot, Sam? <laughs> um, Robbie E, as I like to call him, Robbie Free. Uh, yeah. So I, I've known Rob for a long time. I like Rob. So anything I say now, let me just say I'm just busting his balls. Of course. I don't completely mean what I'm about to say, even though I do mean it a little bit. Right. Uh, um, so Rob and I, we knew each other uh, from, like, I say the New York indie scene. But really, he'd come in and work NYWC while I was, like, setting up the chairs. Uh-huh. You know, maybe I'm the card. So I knew of him more than he knew of me. Right. Uh, but we were Facebook friends and stuff like that. And I had made it to WWE, uh, you know, very fortunate to make it so early. And he had sent me this Facebook uh, direct message, basically say, first of all, it was definitely like a mass message, but he would just change the first name. Like, Hey Matt. Yeah. Or, you know, yes. hey yeah. I've gotten the messages. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was his, his demo tape <laughs> demo link. Mm-hmm. If I had any contacts for Japan or Puerto Rico <laughs> and I'm like, Rob, you've been around so much longer than me. I have nothing. Sorry, dude. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, a couple months go by. He has unfriended me on Facebook. <laughs> And then it was my gimmick in TNA. <laughs> we don't talk for like a decade. Right. A decade. Wow. Right. Unbelievable. And then he shows up and he starts, he's your wife's manager or your fiance's manager. And, and then... Even better. But we, we had buried the hatchet a couple of years before that. Good. But right. Good. Good. Right. Well, I, but look, there was never any real heat. We just joke around. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. <laughs> We're just like, on these all clickbait Instagram pages. Big heat between Robert Stone and oh, the yeah. former Fighter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've been there many times. I've I've heard I've read many times on the internet how I'm very, very poorly received by everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not good for me right now. Um Um so that's like around when you start obviously uh the Z True Long Island story, which is like kind of your breakout thing. Was this because was that what had ECW gone away at that point? So that's what happened. ECW turned into NXT. Right. The NXT, uh, by the way, the NXT like reality weird yeah. show, not the right. NXT that we know now. Right. 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 And I had moved to Raw, which in theory is great. Oh, you're moving to Raw. It was not great. <laughs> it was not great at all. Right. <laughs> because now, like I was on every once in a while you know, getting hit by the big jackass hand or something like that. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, wasn't doing anything really, you know, Um, still trying, still busting my ass, you know, still luckily still on the live events every once in a while, still working. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think my, you know, my favorite matches were happening against like, you know, Evan Bourne and stuff on live events, opening the, opening the shows in these live events. Um, But it was around, so I guess it's early 2011. I say like, all right, I see that this isn't changing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm pitching stuff, whatever. It's not happening. I'm like, I got to do something for myself. Uh, I, I've told the story a million times, so I'm sorry if this is repetitive. Uh, but I wanted to create some buzz, whether by getting fired or, you know, making so much of a commotion, so much noise that the WWE had to do something to me. Luckily, I didn't get fired. Right. Right. At the time. But I thought, OK, if I get fired for the stuff I'm doing, I'll have some buzz for the indies, for TNA, 
you know? Yeah. But of course, my end goal is to get noticed by WWE. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <over> there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's when I started the YouTube show with no big major plan of what it would be. Uh, listen, I wasn't the first person to have a YouTube show. wasn't the first person to have a, a web show or be on the internet. I think I was the first person to really prove that you can use those platforms to help your wrestling quote unquote character. Mm-hmm. Because I think at that time I was still one of one of the younger guys on the roster. So to me, you know, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram wasn't even around yet, but those things were things I was using as the real person, Matt Cardona. Right. And, Right. So I knew how to do everything. So why don't I just do it as Zack Ryder? Yeah. And let the people in. Like wrestling is so odd where you can like be in this heated storyline and post this 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 post about your opponent that you're you're wrestling next week and your next tweet could be you and your dog. You know? What I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So I think like I think that's now, but at the time people were just using it just wrestling, 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 wrestling. Because yeah. even WWE tried to start their own thing called like the WWE universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, which, like their own platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Which, like, listen, I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but, like, if you go back, I would ask the guys, uh, who, the writers of BCW, hey, there's these status updates on the WWE Universe. Can we put those on screen as I'm walking out? Like, I think there's one on ECW, like, Zack Ryder can't wait for the new Backstreet Boys album or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And, like, what, five, ten years later, there's tweets all over the screen. Yeah. Right? Not saying I invented that because but, it was going to happen eventually. Yeah. It was going to happen eventually. Yeah. Right. So I, I was just the, one of the first people, if not the first, who realized, like, hey, this stuff is important and can work. I mean, you also like uh, were early to being like a mainstream guy that was incorporating like Internet lingo and wrestling jargon and stuff. The way you were making jokes about pushing and I'm not getting over and, and all that sort of stuff that you wouldn't hear mainstream wrestlers like you wouldn't hear mainstream wrestlers use those words publicly. Right, but I was also doing it in like a funny way, making fun of myself. I wasn't like, I'm not getting pushed. <laughs> right. Why me? Yeah. No, I had this big meathead push me, and I get in this face like, nobody pushes Zack Ryder. <laughs> no. Or I'd be climbing a fence, and somebody'd be like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just trying to get over. So I made it fun. Right. You know, I wasn't like complaining or being bitter because if I was doing that, the show wouldn't have t- taken off. Nobody wants no. to hear that. No, no. People want a fun show. Um. Right. So. I think that goes along with kind of introducing the gimmick as a whole. When you're that early to the game, you know, now when you see wrestlers going around and like vlogging or doing whatever, it's it's pretty commonplace and you get what they're doing and you get why it's cool and why it's like, yeah, it's a good idea. Everybody should be doing it. Back then, did a lot of the guys, especially the guys that weren't your age, the guys that are older than you, did they understand in the beginning what you were doing at all or why you were doing it? I don't think so. And I think there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people who didn't understand it, but still supported me. Like I'll never forget Arn Anderson. <laughs> I remember laying on a couch, like backstage in Mexico and he's got the laptop, my laptop on his belly mm-hmm. and he's watching the show and he doesn't get what's going on, but he knows that I'm putting in the work. Right. He knows trying to do something and that's what he appreciated. Right. Right. He wasn't getting the jokes or what I, he didn't know what I was doing, but he knew what I was doing something. And I think that's why he, you know, helped me out a lot because he knew, hey, this kid wants it, you know? Yeah. And I think but, that it, it probably helped. That's one of the, I mean, you doing it in character probably made that go even further because you're not just, like you said, on the internet complaining or doing some like separate thing. You're actually using the internet to try to get your character over that's on TV and further the business. That you're all oh, doing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I wasn't on TV, really. Like I said, a couple times here and there. But I was, you know, 
uh, doing things like like plugging all this merch. Like at first it was uh, this T-shirt. Hey, if you bought my T-shirt, I'll send you a card, a signed card. And I actually did it. Right. And then like, okay, like, oh, that, that shirt sold well. Let's make him another shirt. Let's make him a headband. And then I plug all this stuff on my YouTube show and I'd have like the broski of the week. Everybody, you know, dress up as me, buy my merch, do a video. I'll put it on the show. Or like I'd, I would, I hired some guy. I used the term hired. I didn't pay him, <laughs> but he would sit there and watch Raw and SmackDown, uh-huh. and anytime there was a Zack Ryder sign, he would screenshot it, send it to me, and then I'd put it in the show as like the signs of the week. So that would entice people, hey, if I bring a sign, Zack Ryder will put me on the show. Right. And so I was, they were supporting me, and I was giving back and saying thank you. That was my way to include him on the show. Hey, if the Headbangers had a show and my sign was on it, that would have made my life. Right. Especially if they're you know, mentioning and, you by name or they're going like, this guy's cool. You're like, oh, my God, that's me. They're talking about me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Or I had like the Are You Serious Bro tweet of the week. Right. Where I the hashtag, Are You Serious Bro? And then like I would search by the hashtag, pick the best one, and I'd read it every week on the show. Right. Right. Just yeah. stuff that we, you know, that's so common nowadays. And I'm not saying I invented it. I obviously didn't. But I was, uh, you know, I knew it could Helped me get from nowhere to somewhere, and it did. You were an early adopter, that's for sure. That's that's the best way to put it. Yeah. What was the uh, what was the connection with Cena? I always felt like Cena seemed like he was into what you were doing early. Like I feel like there's a lot of like uh, John Cena's. I don't know if it's his sense of humor or just kind of when you look at his Instagram, like the weirdness and the kind of comedy that he's into. I think there's still a lot that a lot of people don't like. You don't see that side of him. Very much, but it seemed like from the beginning, like even like when you first got to Raw, it seemed like he was kind of into this weird Long Island gimmick that you were doing. I do think uh, it's definitely because of the show, and I think like a, I think he understood it a bit more than someone like Arn. Right, right, right. But he also like Arn said, "Hey, this kid wants it. This right. kid's trying. This kid's you know busting his balls. Like, hey, like okay, the the, the video is like three minutes. It would take me." my whole week off to do it my or however days I had off right. to do that show. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. You know, right. I would, you know, film, I'd schedule. Okay. Hey dad, we're going to shoot this day. Hey, all my buddies, we're going to shoot this way. Or I get some of the guys on the road and I put it together. It would take me forever. Right. Like a three minute video where if you watch it, the quality, like the, you know, the audio video quality sucks, but like the content was pretty damn good. And I think that he saw, Hey, this kid's trying. And I think that's what he appreciated. And listen, he helped me out big time by, you know, back in the day, like by a retweet from him or guys like CM Punk, who were like the top, top guys mm-hmm. retweeting my stuff. It was a big deal. Right. Or they would both. I mean, both those guys would just kind of figure in little spots to mention you on TV or whatever. Like when they'd be so, mentioning groups of guys, it'd be like, or Zack right. Ryder. And you'd hear everybody, right. but you'd be like, oh, like those guys, yeah, so they're not putting him I, on TV, but these main absolutely. event guys are mentioning him. Right. Yeah. You know what? Speaking of being toyetic, you know what always bugged me? That they never did a figure that had a little flip cam. I know, I know. Because I figured, like, especially when you started walking down the aisle with the flip cam, like, and it it was such a moment, too. Like, the flip cam, it's so funny because it just had, like, this two-year run where it was, like, that was the camera you think and now i look back i'm like how did i even film on this thing it's it's not like you can't do a front facing camera you didn't know what you were filming it's you know garbage. what I'm like, it's garbage what was I? I, would, I would come out blind really <laughs> like coming down the aisle holding it up who knows what i'm filming <laughs> yeah. you know yeah 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 uh, it isn't one of the video games though so i'm proud of that yeah 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 i like that um so so that kind of it takes you on this ride like 
2011. I, yeah, 2011 was amazing because that's when the, the show starts taking off. That's when they, they put you on TV. So Survivor Series 2011, that's Madison Square Garden. That's The that's Rock right. and John Cena versus Miz and R-Truth. That's The Rock doing his promo after the show. And that's when everybody starts chanting, we want Ryder in the middle of Rock's promo. Now, is this one of these moments where you're going, oh, my God, this is great and everything's working? Or is there a part of you going like, oh, I hope this isn't too much. Like, I don't I don't, I don't need The Rock being oh, like. I, oh, I thought it was great. You loved it. Every bit of it. I loved it. Loved it. <laughs> loved it. It, could, it was the best. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was the best. Yeah. Uh, love that night. Super, super, you know, memorable night for me. Uh, you know, uh, they were just so loud. The, the, the people in MSG, a building that I would go to so many times as a kid. Uh, and to have them, you know, the world's most famous arena, sure, but my hometown, you know, my yes. people. To, yes. to go so crazy. Yeah, like, interrupting The Rock is really, really cool. Uh, but I remember before the show even started, just the, the, the chance. Mm -hmm. And I think we were like the Ziggler and Morrison of the first match on the show, and I was running out for that. So, like, I'm already geared up, ready to roll. And I was just, oh, my God. I was like, Oh, it was all worth it for like those moments, like all that whole year. It's like, all right, it worked like that hard work. Like I knew I was right. You know, yes. it was a good, it was good, like uh, self-satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah. There are, I mean, that, that, that has to change your perspective on things. Cause when stuff like that is happening, it's when, like when you're just on somebody else's TV show, cause at the end of the day, you're at the mercy of, you know, the people who oh. are, are, are scripting the TV show. It's like, if you don't have that response from the audience, cause you're not on TV, I know for me, I'd be sitting there wondering, like, oh, am I as good as I think I am? Like, I'm not really getting response because I'm not getting to do stuff. I hope I'm as good as I think I am. And when you start doing that stuff on your own that gets the response, I feel like it gives you it's got to give you this confidence that you're like, you know what? Regardless of what's happening, I, I can be confident in my own ability because when I'm left to my own devices, I make it work. Yeah. And at that time, I was still super young, like 25, 26. Yeah. So there are a lot like people ask me, you know, and we'll probably get into it in a second. But there are some things where I'm like, oh, my God, I had some balls. Like I remember at one point uh, WWE is like, hey, obviously I'm doing this as Zack Ryder. WWE owns the show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I'm still doing it on my YouTube channel. Um, I never like monetize the channel because I never wanted them to say you're making money off us. Right. You know what I'm saying? So there'll be so many times like the show would get taken down for copyright stuff. And I have to email whoever's in charge like, hey, I work for WWE. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because you'd be using but, footage of yourself. But it was right. WWE's footage, and they would just have one of those bots taking everything down. Right. Yeah. Um, and then they wanted me to move it to the WWE YouTube channel. I was like, guys, this WWE YouTube – I'm sorry. There wasn't, there wasn't even WWE YouTube channel yet. Uh -huh. WWE.com. Uh-huh. Like, guys, nobody goes to WWE.com. It's not cool. You know, <laughs> I'm not moving the show to WWE.com. I don't know how I had the balls to say no to it then. Yeah. Yeah. You I know? mean, does that kind of give you when, – you, when, when it's working as well as it's working, and you know there are people that doubted it. Right. Does that give you, and you're only 25, 26 years old. Does that give you an ego where it's like, no, I see. I'm a very, I would say it's an ego, but like you said, a little bit of confidence, right? Maybe a chip on your shoulder. I wouldn't actually even say a chip on my shoulder. Just like, Hey, like it's working. Just let me do my thing. Right. Right. Kind of, you know? Yeah. Like I'm not doing anything wrong here. I'm helping. I'm trying to help everybody. I'm not, um, you know, one of the top merch sellers, trust me, WWE's get more of that money than I am. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> So let, let's just keep going here, baby. Yeah, yeah. Now, did you uh, were you involved in the in the merch process? I know that now it's like one of your main jobs, especially oh, since there's that. no wrestling, is 
designing new merch constantly. I I heard you make a pitch for uh, uh, Major Wrestling Figure Podcast War Bonnets, and I know that you were being serious. I know you're serious. I, yeah, by the way, because they're so ridiculous, you yeah. know if they're limited, they'll be NWO sold out. 100%. Uh, so luckily at that time, since my merch was selling, yeah. that I, I did have a lot of uh, say in what was made in, in, in designs. Um, uh, the first ever, uh, the shirt that it's like my headband, my glasses, my spiky hair, mm-hmm. they, they, that was supposed to be my, my first official shirt. Yeah. Um, and they sent me something with like pumas or like a teddy bear or maybe it was a tiger. I was like, what is this? I'm like, no, because if this if this sucks and fails, this yeah. will be my chance. I'm like, no way. Because at the time, the only shirt I had was that one I was telling you about where I'd set the cards. It was like, I think it was called like a basic shirt. It's just me like like this. Oh, I it's remember like those. Fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'd rather have that basic shirt than, than any of this crap. Yeah. Hey, guys, I'm sorry for the interruption. If you're like me, you're sick and tired of these interruptions. You're going, Sam, there must be a way that we can listen to this podcast without all these interruptions. Well, what if I tell you there was a way? What if I tell you there was a way you could listen to this podcast, you could get no interruptions, you could listen early, you could get an extra podcast every single week, a second podcast that comes out every Thursday, and a whole lot more. Well, there is. All you have to do is become a Not Sam Shill. That's right. Join us over at patreon.com slash Wrestling. Become a Not Sam Shill. And for less, it's the best value in podcasts, for less than a dollar a week. You will get the podcast ad-free every single week. You will get the podcast early every single week. You will get a bonus podcast every single week, exclusive to Patreon. Every single Thursday, you'll get Thursday, not Sam Thursday. You will get access to our Discord room that only Not Sam Shells are allowed in to talk about wrestling with the other Not Sam Shells 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Plus, there's a ton of other stuff available on Patreon. You get all the videos early. You can watch me record the show every week live from the Not Sam studio. Those have Q&As at the end of them all the time. There's exclusive merchandise available for everybody. I mean, it's amazing what's going on only for the Not Sam shells. If you really support this podcast and you want to be one of the few, the proud, the elite, go to patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. Become a Not Sam shill or just put up with interruptions like this. Uh, and eventually I convinced them. And then once that sold and the headbands were selling, then I'm like, hey, let's make foam fists. Or, hey, I got this this idea, uh, the Statue of Liberty with the foam fist. And guess what? They're holding the, the internet title. Right. Um, which was now, cool because I was not allowed to wear that on television. Yeah. How did you how did you get that one passed? I'm surprised. Like, I'm so shocked because it's you made it. So it's your IP at the end of the day. The fact right. that that made it into action figure form, into a video game. And onto a shirt, like, makes no sense to me. So, you know, at first it was a joke, and I had my my little brother's kid Intercontinental title, and right. I put stickers on it, and I drew on it, and it was like the internet title. I even wore it out uh, to a show in Australia once. I defended the title against Primo. <laughs> There's <laughs> photos out there. I think one of this kid's Intercontinental title out there. Uh, Mike Rotunda, the IRS, he was the producer, he, he he didn't like that too much. <laughs> no, they, <laughs> that's another time of me like, what was I doing? How did I just walk out like that? You're walking out with a toy belt around your waist. You haven't even asked anybody. You're like, right. you know, no, you don't understand, Mike. Uh, my YouTube show, I wear it. Oh, cool. Thanks. Uh, oh, Mike was super cool. I uh, just said like, never do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that you, uh, the fact that you weren't fired on the spot means that Mike was super cool. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so eventually, I'm like, hey, I need to make a real title, which. 
Yeah, I don't know if you can see it back there. Oh, I can see it. Uh, that's right. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, you know, listen, was I really the champion of the internet? No, it's a gimmick. You know what I'm saying? Of course. Yeah, I mean, a, it's a gimmick. So I, uh, I brought it to TV because I'd have it with me anyway for my YouTube shows. If I ever needed to film something, or you know, if Ziggler needed to beat me up, I always had it with me. So is there any part of you, right? Because I know that you're you're a pretty confident person and somewhat shameless. Is there any part of you that is going like, these guys are going to think I'm the biggest mark so if I show up this. to TV with my own title that I made for myself? At that time, yes. And uh, let me tell you this story. So, okay. So I wear it out to, this is like ringside as earlier in the day. <laughs> You're wearing I'm going to leave out, I'm going to leave out names here. Okay. okay. All right. That's fair. But I wear the title out. Because, look, first of all, I don't like do my entrance. I'm not like posing. I just have it around my waist because I want to show what it is. Like, listen, this is like I know, but still, I, like even like it's not like people are even people don't walk around in their gear. People aren't walking around with their titles on. At that time, it was like people were at that time. People were like rooting for me in the back. <laughs> See, you were trying to give them every reason to stop. You're like, he's no, the guy. No, 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 no. Like, they, I think the boys were cool with it. Okay, what I'm trying to say. okay. If I would have walked out the internet title in 2007 with like Hardcore Holly and right. JBL, different story, maybe. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. But, so but now these guys this is are my buddies. Now, yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. This is that right. era that like right. all the guys that came in around the same time as you are starting to go up the car and there's more of you guys. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So I presented to somebody to kind of show, show it off. Right. Not saying, all right, I'm told that I'm such a mark for myself. Right. Am I? Am I? I don't know. But that's not. That's not the point. I mean, we're literally uh, having a conversation right now where you're wearing a T-shirt of your own podcast. You're wearing your own hat. I've seen you. No, you promotion. You go to this the gym. You go to the gym with weight belts with your podcast logo on it. I mean, promotion, I got Sam. I got like a not Sam thing in the back, promotion. but like you don't see me walking around all the time. It's all promotions. No, you're right. You're right. Okay, you're right. Anyway, so I say, listen. I don't think I'm really the champion of the internet. You know, mm -hmm. it's like the million dollar title, you know, the million dollar man. Yeah, but Ted DiBiase wasn't like walking around the locker room like, hey guys, check out my title. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm wearing this to present it. I'm not I, wearing okay. it around. Right, right. I'm wearing it to go and present it. Also, Ted DiBiase didn't make it himself, but go on. Um, well, I think it's showing initiative. I think it's great. I mean, I, I love, you know, I like it. I'm just saying. I to me, I see. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big kid. I see, you know, Mattel making it. Yes. I see the phone, the phone belts, the replica belts, the T-shirts. I see all that. Dude, as a figure collector, do you know how excited I was when they said there's a Zack Ryder Elite? You had one Zack Ryder Elite that has the one-legged tights and the shirt. I'm like, that's so cool. When they announced there's another Zack Ryder Elite headband, I, I sunglasses. Have to give Mattel permission for that. <laughs> I'm gonna get permission anyway. Okay, so you're so, at ringside. Uh, Somebody uh, says you're a mark well, for yourself. I say no. I don't really think I'm the internet champion. You know, it's kind of like the million dollar title. And then I'm told um, <laughs> this is what you're gonna love, Sam. Um, if this was ten years ago, the whole locker room would have kicked your ass. <laughs> and then I, res I respond with, "Well, the whole locker room loves me." <laughs> and then, then the response to that is. That's why the houses are half empty. <laughs> so I guess I'm responsible. People like me. Right. I don't know. It was whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> That's so great. Long short, I don't get to wear the title on TV. <laughs> well, I mean, look, it also doesn't help that there's like corporate logos on it, right? Like there's a Facebook logo and a Twitter logo. Like they wouldn't put that on TV, right? Or was it just because? Huh? I don't even think they were looking at the side. <laughs> 
they, they were easily just, been changed. <laughs> they were just looking at a guy who's a mark for himself. Right. And if you wear that belt, the houses will get even lower. Right. Yeah, so, I, I mean, just so long story short, I never wore the title on TV. <laughs> but I mean, it's I it's the title that you're still you've won the U.S. title, the Intercontinental title, the tag title. You know, 150,000 times. That's the title you're most associated with still. The one that you made. To me, it's the most real title there is. Yeah, yeah. Out of the out of the ones I want, like listen, the IC title, listen, great night, career night, night of my career, winning it, WrestleMania. I told the story a million times. Yeah, dad sliding in the ring, awesome storybook night, loved it, right? Right. U.S. title, great. The culmination of the whole year, amazing, awesome, right? Tag team titles, first time, cool. Second time with Hawkins, cool. But that internet title create listen, not the title is what I'm proud of. The movement. Yes. You know, and not yeah. the not the writer revolution. Yeah, that. But like getting told or hey, you're gonna be here. And I say, No, I'm not. I'm right. gonna be here. And to bust my ass and prove myself for an entire calendar year and proving people wrong. Yes. And I say this all the time. Proving people wrong is cool, but proving everyone right. Right. That's what felt so much better. All those anyone who was supporting me in the back or online, proving them right, right. my family, my friends, that's what mattered. Not proving the, the the haters and the doubters wrong. That's cool, I guess, but that's not what I cared about then. Certainly not what I care about now. No, the locker room that all loved you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about the houses being half empty. It is. I mean, that is true. Like that title is symbolic of that era. And what was accomplished. And really, I mean, people do have to give you credit. What was accomplished at a time when the internet was not nearly as powerful as it is today. Like, it was just starting to become that super, super powerful tool. Um, so, like, yeah, 2011 is this banner year. It's incredible. Like, that, 2011 is the year that wasn't supposed to happen for you. Right. And it happened. So, 2012 comes. Woo! Are <laughs> you going, like... What the hell? Like we were, I didn't realize it's going up and down, up and down. I thought, I thought we hit a plateau, a nice little plateau in 2011, and it's only up from here because 2012, not good. All right, so a couple of things happened. Uh, one, uh, WWE, they have a YouTube channel, but it's like Raw and SmackDown clips. It's not a channel. Sure, there's nothing on it. Sure. So my show is, you know, part of this. Uh, I don't know if it's a pitch or a presentation or. You know, let's start our own channel with original content. We have this show that's proven to be successful. Right. And I didn't really want to do it, to be right. honest, because I had done it a whole year by myself. And the point wasn't to have a YouTube show. The point was to get noticed. The point was to get on TV. And I had done all that. So I'm you like, didn't even really you know, want to do the show itself anymore. Like you were like, it's, it's accomplished. Okay, what it, yeah. Like yeah. It was, that was the end of the story. Right. Loser, champion. Right. Yeah, because it. you're right, because it doesn't make any sense. It's like... If you did another season of The Sopranos after Tony was already dead, you're like, it, over. we did it. <laughs> yeah. Over. Yeah. But, you know, I was convinced into doing it. Mm -hmm. um, I, <laughs> I, don't, I won't say that they gave me nothing because they did give me a camera to use and a laptop that didn't come with, with a box. So it that's, wasn't <laughs> but that, <laughs> but, that's sick. You don't need to throw it out then. That's great. Right. That's, that's easy. That's um, easy. It makes it easier. But now it just, A, it just wasn't fun anymore because now it's like, I needed it. A, there had to be approvals, right? Right. I was told there wouldn't be things cut. There were things cut. Right. Uh, there was deadlines I had to meet. So now when I'm home, instead of like, oh, if I get this up at midnight or get up at two, it, whatever, now I need to get it up by this time. Has to be done. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it would be like, I mean, you know, I mean, I get it from doing a podcast. It's like you and your buddies get together and do this podcast and you have your own schedule that you make and right. you got your release time that you put it out every week, but you decided all that. If all of a sudden some podcast network gobbles you guys up and goes like, no, this is when we need it. This is how you have to do it. This is the segment right. that it has to be. Now you're like, well, this wasn't what we started. Right. Yeah. So not only is like the, what's the story of the show? Right. I don't know. And now, so there are a couple great episodes in the last 50, uh -huh. you know, a couple good ones. Like the last one I'm very proud of. There's one where I like do a tour of like New York City. There's a couple of cool ones. Most of them are not that good. Right. Plus, you like know? you said, I mean, you're spending literally all your off time doing them. So it's like when you don't have that fire to do them because the purpose isn't as clear as it used to be. Right. Like you, to spend all those hours doing a thing and, that, and, and there's a couple times where like i'd get a call from somebody from WWE. hey we need a new show right now what do you mean a new show like i think people thought like i would just take my phone and talk into it for three minutes right that's not what i did right <laughs> so like there's a couple out there uh there's one where i think it's like setting up a which hey i'm not going to complain it's like challenging for a wrestlemania match or something like that so i'm not hey i'm not if i'm gonna get a wrestlemania match great i'll put it up sure but then there was one i put up they said no to it and like, we need a new one by, you know, whatever, the end of today. And I'm like, well, I can't do that. Like, well, we need it. So I filmed it. I said, hey, this is episode. I've told this story before. This episode, it was going to be, se whatever, 75. Oh, yeah, WWE yeah, yeah. didn't approve it. So I have to talk for three minutes. So here you go. And I walk off. It's the set for the next two minutes and 30 seconds. And they didn't put that one up. Either. No, I wouldn't have either. I think you you put it up, right? Didn't you just put it up like a... I just put it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not too long ago. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I can see why they wouldn't put that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but what sucked, you know, so when I'm doing the show the first time, I see my career going up and up and up and up and up. So it's like motivating me. It's great. Yes. This time I see it going down and down and down yeah. and down and down and down. You're like, I got to stop doing this because to do the same thing over and over is these are the results. We got to stop. I can't do it. We got to stop. It, it just, it, listen, it, we talk about how I earlier where I'm, I, I said, no, we're not going to do it on WD.com. Yeah. Now here are some times on the flip side where I should have said something and did it. Yeah. Yeah, so, and I, I think, too, around this time is when you're not really a kid anymore, either. Like, you're starting to get into those late 20s, approaching 30. Is it difficult, to to shift people's perspective from seeing you as a kid? Like, when you come in as a kid and an edgehead, right? You're 22, and you're just following Edge around dressed up in his tights. And now you want to be like, no, I'm a adult. I've accomplished a lot here. And, you know, I want to get to that next level. Is it difficult for the people that saw you coming in to kind of make that transition? Well, let me answer that in two ways. One, when this is all going down, so like 2012, I'm like 26. Okay. Okay. So when everything's going down, like the cane pushing me off the stage. Right. You know, Eve picking me in the nuts. <laughs> At the time, I was just so like, I don't want to use young as an excuse, but maybe naive thinking, okay, well, Kane's doing all this. I'll just fight him at Backlash. Okay. Right. You know, like I didn't. Think, you go back like, to that that WrestleMania moment where you're like, maybe next year it'll be a triple threat. Right. Like that's. I'm, I'm just thinking, okay, well, Eve kicks me out, so I'll do. You know, something will happen. Because there's still right? those singular moments are still big spots. Right. So right. So I'm not like, oh my god, I'm getting kicked to the balls. To me, I'm thinking like, oh my god, WrestleMania. I'm right. the last guy in there. So I'm thinking like that. So, but when all the stuff wasn't turning around, where it wasn't leading to something, that's when I should have like knocked up Vince's door and said like, hey, what's what's going on here? Right. I, I, you know, at the time, because I still had some ground to stand on, still selling merch, still popular with the people, still work, working my ass off, busting my ass, I should have said something I didn't. That's on me. 
So I see yeah. it all the time online, like, you were buried, blah, 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 blah. Listen, if, you, if anyone buried anybody, I buried myself because I didn't uh, knock on that door and ask why and I wasn't, maybe, whether I was scared enough or not mad enough. I didn't do it, so I blame me, nobody else. And maybe that's what they were waiting for anyway. Maybe they were. Maybe it was all just, you know, if you wanted this bad, let's who see, who knows? I yeah. will never be one of those people who says, this person held me down or this person talked behind my back or this person buried me. Listen. I had the opportunity to stand up for myself, and I didn't. Yeah, that's on me. Do you have a? So that's it. Yeah, that, I mean, that... when, it comes, when it comes to the age thing, like you just mentioned. Yes, yes. I even think to this year when I'm what thirty five, right? Turn thirty five. I think people, not just me. I think people looked at whoever got in the business in WWE at that age. I think people still, to your your question, still viewed me as this 21, 22 year old kid. Right. But you're, I'm not. You're the woo I'm a 35 year old man. Right. You right. Know? Right. When I started in the locker room, different era. I understand. You know, back in my day, all that BS. Mm-hmm. Different era. There's guys like you know, JBL, Hardcore Holly, Taker, Ben White. Different era. You're not allowed. You're walking in from developmental. You're not allowed in the locker room. You need to earn your spot. Right. You know what I'm saying? You need to earn respect. Then go ask if you're allowed in. Right. It's not like that now, and that's fine. I'm not saying one way is better than the other. Yeah. Right. But when I started, okay, there's all these big jacked up guys. I was probably one of the tiniest guys on the roster. Now I'm one of the biggest. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But I'm still I'm still viewed as like this little kid. Right. When I'm a 35 year old man, and yes, do I have the toy show? Yes. But I I think also the whole world has changed in that regard. You know what I'm saying? Everyone's Absolutely. Down, down. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know I think saying? yeah. There's geek no culture. Way geek... I could go into that 2007 locker room with my Hasbro ring that I bought at a toy shop. <laughs> As opposed to last year, Hawk and I l- legit went to some toy store, brought it in. It was just like in the, the locker room. And I would say like 95% of the boys like, oh, my God, I had that. That's so cool. Where did you get that? I remember getting this for my birthday or Christmas. Different era. Here's, here's when you know it's a different era. When it was like official to the world that it's a different era. When you guys get Ambrose on the podcast talking about f- toy memories, I'm right. like, that, that says everything. Different era, dude. It's a different era. I'm not saying one, one's better than the other. Right. But listen, like when this this generation of guys are all my age, around my age. When I, when we started, Hawkins, I was so fortunate to get you know so lucky to get signed so early. These guys didn't grow up with with Hasbro figures. We were playing with their Hasbro figures. Yeah. They didn't grow up with wrestling buddies and and the yeah. bed sheets. I think that they didn't grow up that. I think that that's a big difference. That like the generation that we are is that first generation that saw wrestlers as superheroes. You had He-Man and Ninja Turtles and WWF, and that yeah. was what you grew up with. Yeah, Saturday morning, yes. stars, yes. ice cream bars, you name it, I bought it. My generation had it, or at least knew what it was. Right, right. right? So, so I, I don't blame the generation before for not getting it. Right. I totally – listen, I don't think what I do or what I collect is, like, quote-unquote normal. I can see if someone walks into my toy room and sees thousands of action figures on display, I can understand why people don't get it. I, I get that, right? But I think it's more accepted now, not just in WWE, but in pop culture, in, in life, in society. You go to these Comic-Cons, annual Comic-Cons, it's madness. People, like, scalp a tickets to get in. People yeah. wait in a line to get a raffle ticket to maybe buy a piece of merchandise. Yeah. It's nuts. I've watched people... I mean, they sit there and they camp out so they can sit in a hall all day long so they can watch a movie trailer, (laughs) you know, that, by the way, will be on YouTube after the con. Like right after. Right, like that day. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> but you want to watch it. But you got to be, yeah, and you got to be a part of it. You got to be a, a part I, of it. I am one of those people, uh, in you know, my my thing just happens to be the toys, the collectibles. Yeah. I, I'm not into video games. You know, to me, I grew out of it like N64. It got too hard for me. Right. It became too time-consuming for yeah. me. But I never, I don't know why, I just never grew out of the toys. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm the same way. Um, right. And I, did I go through that time period where I was embarrassed? Sure. Right. Sure. I, I would go to Toys R Us and get gift receipts because I didn't want the cashier yeah. thinking I was buying these toys. <laughs> that would be the worst. When the cashier, who that was like, especially when you guys were right around the same age, like it was like right. a girl that was right around the same age right. as you. And she was like, do you want a gift receipt? And you're like, yeah, of course I do. Of course. of course I want a gift receipt. Like, what am I going to say? No, I don't want a gift receipt. These are for me. Always. <laughs> yeah. Always. Yeah. Definitely want a gift receipt. I don't, I'm not going to bring these home and open them up right no. away. No, that's ridiculous. Like, I, I remember, like, when I was in college, like, all my figures were, my, my bedroom looked normal, but if you opened up my, my closet doors, they were all in there, like, on display. I, dude. Hidden. Dude, I remember you being, know? being in Syria. Now it's like. My, not my whole house. It's not, I'm not hiding it, but it's like anywhere you go, you peek in one room, you'll see something. Peek in another, you'll see something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now it's, room, you'll see now it's everywhere. Like I'm explaining to my kids what the difference is between their toys and dad's toys. Like it's a whole thing. But I'm, I was the same way. I remember in Syracuse, I was in college, like right when the classic superstars started, and the classic tag teams came out. The Rockers and oh, the yeah. Legion of Doom. And I was like, oh, because that first series of classic tag teams was amazing. Rockers, Heart Foundation, Legion of Doom. And I was on the wrestling figure, wrestling figs message boards. And I, I still am. I, 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 I mean, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I lurk there, but I'm sure not Sam is still there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, somebody said that they had seen them at the Toys R Us in Syracuse. So I had to go like in super stealth mode. Luckily, I had a car. So I could just sneak out of my dorm, didn't tell anybody where I was going, found them, freaking out. And then, number one, I had to, you know, like, you really want to talk to somebody, like, look what I found. And you, right. you know, look at people who have no idea what you're talking about. But I had to sneak back upstairs into my dorm room, like, kind of, like, hiding the Toys R Us bag as I went, because I didn't want to have to explain to people, like, no, sure. I just got out of here to buy these wrestling toys. But look, I got them. These are so hard to find. They're brand new. Right. And, and, and the wrestling figures for me is because, you know, you're, we're around the same age. So, of course, early 90s, all my friends loved it. Warrior Hogan, Macho King, right? Yeah. That wrestling buddy era. Then nobody watched it. Right. So it was just me. So, like, me playing with these figures was, like, my my friends, really. Me creating these, like, these figure feds and these storylines. That's how I really kept – because nobody wanted to watch it with me. You right. know what I'm saying? I couldn't go to my buddy's house and watch it. Of course, I'd watch it myself. Or with my brothers, but nobody else watched it. So me playing with these figures was how I kept like the hobby alive and the love alive. And then of course Attitude Era, we call I call them 98ers. They're in for a year or two, <laughs> yeah. and then they're yeah. out again. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. But you guys weren't watching in the in your house era, right? So then like then they're out again, and then that's when you know I I kept with the figures. But that's when I got big into like the backyard wrestling. I found like the the 10, 15 kids in my right. area, and then that's how we you know expressed our love for wrestling. Which hey kids, don't try this at home, by the way. Right, but like. You know, there was no one else, you know, people, you know, people would make fun of me if I wore a shirt to school, you know, wrestling shirt to school. Because, of course, if I went to Raw Monday, you know I'm wearing that shirt Tuesday, baby. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know was, I am. It was one thing when it was cool and you could wear, like, the Suck It shirt or the NWO shirt. Oh, yeah. But, like, I was the kid in middle school that wore, you know, that, like, uh, that red Shawn Michaels shirt where he's just kind of poking oh, yeah. out of the heart? Like, yeah. you know, when you're, like, a kid in eighth grade and or seventh grade, whatever it was, and people are just starting to kind of, like, 
hang out with girls and stuff. And I'm wearing my red Shawn Michaels coming out of the heart right. t-shirt. It's like, yeah, but that's my favorite t-shirt. Of course I'm going to wear it. I think it's like ninth or 10th grade. I'll never forget. I'm wearing like a too cool shirt <laughs> where they're like all doing like the silhouette pose. And like, <laughs> oh man, but I, I didn't care really. Like I nah. wasn't the coolest kid in school. I wasn't, I wouldn't def- I definitely wouldn't consider myself a cool kid, right. but I didn't, I didn't really care. No, me neither. Me neither. So you had this great presence of mind moment. You talked about the Intercontinental title win at WrestleMania, and it really is this just wild series of events. You're not supposed to be in the match. You tell Road Dog that you want to hear your music. You've never heard your music played. He goes to bat for you. You not only end up in the match, but you end up winning it. Like, I remember sitting there in Dallas, to whoever I was with, they were like, who do you think is going to win? I was like, I could see, I could see them giving it to Stardust maybe, probably The Miz. They're definitely not going to give it to Ryder. But right. okay. <laughs> that was the thing, right? And it was like, and that's, that's, that's it. Right. There we go. Right. And, and that uh, moment, that, that, that's that, what made it the feel good moment. But how did you have the presence of mind to know if I let my dad, who's not even supposed to be here, by the way, he just snuck into the ring. If I let my dad put this cowboy hat on my head right now, it's going to ruin everything. Like you had the presence of mind to just because, snap. Hey, hey I, I know my dad. <laughs> right. And so people still to this day think it's like storyline or part of the show. It was not. Right. Like I, I'm winning. I don't even know where my dad is. I know he's, I'm sure he's somewhere. Right. Right. So I'm, I'm doing the woo-woo-woo to the hard cam. And at that point, Ziggler is like, come on in, you know, waving him over. My dad's like, okay. And then it's not till he's in the ring looking up at me. I'm like, what the, you know, yeah. I, go down, I go down there, I hug him and he puts that goddamn cowboy hat in my head. And I rip it right off. It, it just instinct. Like, come on. Yeah. You should have pulled like, about Sam. I'm serious now, Sam. <laughs> you should have pulled a Shawn Michaels, like. You know, that old WrestleMania 12 story where you get out of my ring. Like, you Oh, just, God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> listen, super cool. Um, I've, I've said this before on other shows. Like, so Rob Schamberger, you know who he is. He, he yeah, painted a nice painting of, of me hugging my dad at Mania. It's got the IC title in it. It's got the hat in it. Um, so <laughs> when, when I got released, uh, I, I knew it was coming because I got a text saying, uh, Matt, please call me. We need to talk. <laughs> I, I certainly didn't think a raise was coming. <laughs> you know, I saw I saw Heath go, Hawkins, Gallows, and I said, hmm, what could it be? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I knew what was about to go down. And I just stu- I had that 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 painting uh, hanging up and I just stood in front of it. I smiled. I took the call, you know, whatever I said. And that was it. Like, it yeah. is what it is I, for me. I needed this to happen. And, yeah, I can uh, see that. I, I, my contract was going to be up in August. I had not re-signed yet. And I was offered a new deal like like almost everyone else was like before last WrestleMania. Right. Uh, you know, in negotiations up until this past WrestleMania, obviously. And then, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Do I want to stay? Yes. Like, I've had this up and down career, and I'm so grateful for it. Right? Like, my dream was to be in WWE. That's all I ever wanted to do. And I was there, I guess that when I was 20. Right. So like I lived the dream, like, you know, did I main event WrestleMania? Did I win the world title? No, but I had some, some, some badass memories, some things I'm very proud of. Uh, I got some action figures out of it. I yeah. Got very, yeah. Very proud and happy of my career there, you know, plus the moments but, too. Like, I, I feel like those yeah. moments, I think about that a lot, that those moments are the things that can never go away. Like regardless of what happens now, it's right. like, I feel like for you, Honestly, even though you weren't actually in the ring at the time, you know, we want Ryder being chanted to the rock is a moment. I feel like right. uh, the Intercontinental title win. I feel like that last tag title win at WrestleMania with Hawkins. Sure. Like, that's one of those moments that you're like, if this were to end today, 
and I never wrestle again. I never step foot in a ring. I'm not even a public person after this. Like that happened. I did that. Sure. And and you see these titles that I have hanging on the wall, stuff like that. And like, yeah, like did I hold the IC title for a day or the US title for two weeks or whatever? Yeah, but like you said, every time I won one of those titles, it was a moment. Right. You know, I didn't win it at Backlash. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like it was always something special to me. Um, so it's super cool. Uh, but when I got released, I knew, okay, because I had been, you know, dealing with this. Do I stay? Do I go? Do I stay? Do I go? For over a year, and it was just eating me alive, just every day thinking about it. Or, you know, when I'm at TV, like having to talk to, like, Mark Cronin, like, what are we doing here? Like, it was just, oh, it was just eating me away. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. the anxiety. Um, so when that call was made and the decision was made for me, oh my God, you, you, like you hear the people get relieved. I was so relieved, right? So relieved. Like that, that decision was made now. Okay. Now. All right. ProWrestlingTees.com. Matt Cardona, let's start that baby up, which by the way, I already had set up before I was texted the call because and, I kind of knew something was going down. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel too, like, like the, what you guys set up with the podcast, how entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial. Take a shot. Take a you shot. Were, <laughs> take a shot. <laughs> you guys were like, you kind of already understood how this business can work. Even in a time like now when you can't wrestle, like you had already started becoming that sort of independent business yes. person through the podcast. Cause it's not like, you know, the income from the podcast just comes in through ads. Like well, it's a multifaceted. You know, I, I, I say crumbs make crumb cake, baby. Yeah. The, the the ad revenue for our podcast very low because listen, you need to listen to podcasts. Right. Listen to wrestling podcasts. Right. And then want to listen to a wrestling figure podcast. Right. So the the, the it's like a, a niche of a niche of a niche, right? But then like we take that core audience and then we like, hey, we have this YouTube channel here, right. or hey, we have this merch here. We oh we we have these toys over here. You know, we have right. these live shows over here, and. It just crumbs make crumb cake, and we hustle. And by hustle, I don't mean like slime ball, like you know, you know, con people out of money. We work our effing asses off, right? Especially now because we have more time, and we want to provide the most content, the best content, and we want people to feel like, hey, you know what? Like I can collect figures, I can like figures, I can like title belts or chalk line jackets, and be cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It, I want to like ruin that stigma of like that it's not cool to collect toys or to collect whatever you like. And I think with the podcast we've been doing that because yeah, there's a little kid, there's little kids who come to the shows or kids who buy our merch or listen to the shows, but it's mostly like people our age, a little younger, a little older. Yeah, and you've also, I mean, it's also the community that you've built. Like I know that I've, I've I like I knew Zombie Sailor before your podcast. I knew I knew <laughs> toys before your podcast, right. but. Like, did he pay you for that plug? <laughs> I'll probably edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw the old uh, silver balls beep over that plug. <laughs> but there are a whole bunch of other people that I mean, I bought Hasbro's and stuff from people that you guys have talked about on the podcast because I'm like, oh, like I knew about that, but I didn't know about this, and I knew about, and it like brings everything together. Do you do you think that you guys? are one of the big reasons why this Hasbro market has like blown 100%. up. Yeah. 100% because I think there are a lot of people who listen to our podcasts who maybe collected at one time. Yeah. Right. But don't anymore. Like, let me give this thing a shot. Yeah. And they listen to it. Like, you know what, man? Like, let me get that, that 1991 Hogan, whether maybe they got it for their birthday and it's their favorite gift ever. And I'm just using Hogan. It could be anybody. Right. Right. Or maybe they didn't get it. Maybe that Christmas morning, they they waited 
and they opened that gift. They thought it was going to be Hogan. It wasn't Hogan. Yeah. Now they can recreate that. Oh, you know what? Maybe I'll get Texas Tornado. The nasty. You know what? Screw it. Let me get them all. Yeah. You know? And plus, the way people have been collector shamed, I won't mention any names on the show before, they know, like, <laughs> I need to have a perfect Ludwig Borga. Like, I can't, right. you know, right. I got to make right. sure. <laughs> so I think, you know, we're just spreading awareness. And uh, and I love that there are other podcasts popping up. There's uh, There were other podcasts before us. I love it because why wouldn't you want other people talking about this subject? Because guess what? I, I hope... That, you know, this guy, Mark Bushy, he's creating his own wrestling favorite podcast. I buy some stuff. I hope it becomes bigger than ours. Because guess what? When people listen to, to him and they love it so much, well, who else am I going to listen to? Oh, listen to the Major Wrestling Favorite Podcast. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand why anybody would hate on somebody else for creating a podcast. This is, we're one community. So anyone who's trying to, like, cause dissension, listen, this is a wrestling figure community. If someone's causing dissension in a wrestling figure community, you really need to reevaluate your life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we all need to come together on this. Right. We can't we need to come together. We can't like. Yeah. Yeah. We need to support each other here because otherwise, like, it's not like we're going to be able to go into the world and they're going to understand us. Right. So like we're, we're all this community and, uh, you know, and I'm very proud of what we've accomplished um, with the podcast. And, you know, we want to make it as big as possible. And, you know, this is something we presented to WWE, you know, obviously a Zach and Kurt, whatever it was going to be called. Uh, at the time, they said no. They mm. said we weren't doing any. We're not doing any podcasts. So a little birdie told us, "Hey, just go ahead and do it." Uh, so it became Matt and Brian's major wrestling podcast, and that was the first time really I'd really gone by Matt Cardona. Right. You know. So right. if it wasn't for the podcast, I wouldn't be so comfortable, you know, wrestling on the indies as Matt Cardona. I'd probably be like the uh, Ice Z Man or something. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's also one of those things too. If you're not the one in charge of this podcast, like is is if, if you have a boss, even if it's WWE, if it's Wondry, if it's Spotify, whoever the boss is, doesn't matter. Like, are they gonna sit there and be like, hey, we don't want you guys spending 45 minutes just listing the things you bought this week? Meanwhile, they don't realize that the audience is listening because they want to hear what you bought this week. You know what I mean? Like, like what it's not it's not the list of what we bought, it's the conversation yes. in between. Item yes. to item. Right. You know, there's no way if this is a WWE show, I'd be able to produce a shirt. <laughs> that, I don't know if you know what this means. H-A-R-D? <laughs> but do, you know, do you know who this is? Who's that? Referee Dick Worley. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking about a hard-to-get Dick Worley action figure. Of course. It's so, very H-A-R-D to get. Yeah, it's impossible. Right. Yeah. Bit on card figure. <laughs> It's not loose. It's men on court, so it's it's hard. Right, right, right. Dick is hard. And, yeah. It's Dick Worley. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so you put two together. You know, we're talking about a very hard to get rare action figure of Dick Worley. Of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, but, go to, you, you go to the gym wearing it. That's cool. That's right. <laughs> right. Because... And the newest thing we're doing, I think you'll pop for this, Sam. I don't. I I know you're definitely not a Patreon member, but uh, something we've been doing on our Patreon. Now you talk about nerdy. This is nerdy. Mm -hmm. We have fantasy figure feds, and we, you know, we don't actually sit there and play with the figures, but we talk about them like we are, <laughs> right? And we have like, you know, Brian has his guys, I have my guys, but it got so popular in the Patreon that we're doing it as a spinoff show to the Major Wrestling Group Podcast every week. So it's going to be like its own. It's on show every, it's, I think it's starting in August. That's every great. week, it'll and, be like my show versus his show. And I like, so it'll be, and it's a figure fed, which means it's not just about like, 
oh, well, this wrestler is my favorite, so he's going to do well if it's a good figure. Like, what figures that are, are more fun to play with or that you just like. Like, Roddy Piper won the championship in my Hasbro fed when I was a kid, not because I was the biggest Roddy Piper fan in the world, but because that figure looked good with the belt on him. Right. <laughs> so he became the champion because it right. looked good with the kilt and right. everything. Yeah. You can't, you can't just, you know— uh, you can't, ju- let's say we were doing an LJN figure fed. We, we can't just draft, you know, well, LJN is not a, a good example. Let's say, let's say, uh, Mattel, right. You can't draft undertaker. It has to be series 45 <laughs> undertaker. It has to be very specific. And if you say like, uh, let's say you are doing LJN. If you said like ravishing Rick rude, you know, he won this match with the rude awakening. Are you going Possibly. like, how do you do that? Do that. His, his hands are tucked <laughs> into his tights. Impossible. Yeah. He couldn't have done that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it completely loses the integrity of what we're doing here. Exactly. I love that. I do love that, actually. Coming soon. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it, because I'm going to be sitting there being like, yeah, that is a good figure. Yeah, that figure does that move good. Like, no jumper in my Hasbro fed ever won a title, ever. I was not a big jumper guy. No, I, I hated him. Hated him. Oh. Hated him. Well, look, Matt Cardona, the uh, Michael Jordan of uh, of of wrestling figure collecting. I'm glad you got that out there, Sam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's important. Uh, if you guys want to uh, uh, support the former Zack Ryder, now uh, Matt Cardona, always ready. But it's funny that you say you're always ready because I was listening to Pat Buck's podcast and Hawkins said that you look always ready, but your cardio is terrible. You get blown up because you don't do anything in the ring when you're not wrestling. Did, did Pat Buck, who's it? Hawkins said that? Oh, yeah, Hawkins, Hawkins said that on Pat Buck's show. Yeah. I mean, hey, listen, I, I'll be honest, since I got released, I've only been in the ring once. Uh, big props to Flatbacks, uh, Tyler Breeze, and, and uh, Sean Spears. I, I worked out there. Uh, I, I gave Chelsea the Broski boot. <laughs> so I got to change all those names. Yeah, you do. Uh, just, yeah, yeah. But listen, I was in there. It was like it was like riding a bike, baby. Yeah. He but, said he said that like when you were off TV for like a year, you you just wouldn't do anything. Like if you work in live events, you work in live events. But if you weren't, you didn't do anything in the ring. Well, I'm not gonna let Hawkins spread this propaganda. <laughs> you know, Hawkins just jealous that you know. I work a lot harder than Hawkins. In the oh, gym. you do. That's all I, can say. I, I mean, see. I see. He, he has his own wrestling school. He cheats. That's true. That's true. I told him he has created a pro up in New York. Uh-huh. We should do the same school here. Create a bro. That's good. That's I like that. You know, we're doing a spinoff of the podcast. Do a spinoff of the school. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get com- you get competitions about who's stu- whose students do better. Right. Yeah. Super show. Super show. Mania. You know. Yeah. Bros and pros. Right. It's really, it's create a bro, it's still create a pro, but like, you know, create a bro, maybe some spray paint, bro. Right. still create a pro. It's like Wolfpack. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. Well, you can, uh, <laughs> you can, of course, if you're a, a wrestling figure or memorabilia fan in general, like if you're just a collector, you'll, it's so funny, like, if you collect any wrestling stuff and you listen to the major wrestling figure podcast, you just start going like, yeah, I really should get that. Like, I literally... Last time I listened to your show, you guys, you were talking about wrestling figures. And I was like, I got to go check on my Simpsons collection. I got to, I got to make sure that I'm complete there. And like, <laughs> and I went through the old box and started eBaying stuff and everything. So it just gets that, if you got that collector bug, it just activates it every single time. Sam, scratching that figure edge, That's baby. what I was doing. That's what I was doing. By the way, right. remember you sent me that Ludwig Borga uh, after the Caroline show? Yeah. I never let it breathe. I put it right in the case, baby. Right in the case. Still got it MOC. Fine. Fine. Yeah. 
I, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, did yeah. You watch the Hasbro episode yet? No, there's no way you did. I, uh... You didn't watch them. The Hasbro episode? I watched some of it. I watched, like, I definitely didn't watch four and a half hours of it. You're complaining it's too long? That's how much content is involved. No, I like that it's four and a half hours, actually. I like that you guys would just put up the four and a half hour show. Like, right. I res- I think that's cool. But right, I'm not who gonna- else is doing that? No, but I, that's why I like it. Like, I like that you're just like, no, not part one, part two, part... Oh, the whole thing, baby. Four and a half hours, invest. Like, that's... But but that's what I'm saying. Like, that that's what you were saying. Even if you don't have a million people a week downloading your podcast, that creates a loyalty. You have the type of fans that'll sit there and watch a four and a half hour YouTube show. Right. About you guys talking about Hasbro. That's the... That, everybody wants that. That's all you could... That's what you want. That figure, I mean, that 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 YouTube video is gonna like evergreen because it's just talking about this topic that will live on forever. It's yeah. not gonna be out of date, you know, unless I find something else because I'm Michael Jordan of wrestling figure collecting. Right. But I don't think there's anything in my sites that, that I know about anytime soon. I definitely got through at least series two. I watched that part of it, and then I started scanning through to see if I could find my part, but I couldn't find it because it's just oh. too long. Like the timeline, you know, and it's four and a half hours in it. Right. But I'll get through it. I'll find it. Well, thank you for for sending in your part. I'll I'll do I'll, I'll send in my part for any anything anything I can do. I'm in, helping. In canon, you're a heel. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, well major major wrestling figure podcast. Of course, uh, prowrestlingtees uh, dot com slash. Uh, what are the two of them? There's there's prowrestlingtees.com slash matt cardona. Yes. Prowrestlingtees.com slash Major WF Pod. Yes. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter, Zack Ryder is dead, baby. I uh, got rid of all those handles right away. So it's at the Matt Cardona. Uh, and then Twitter and Instagram for the podcast at Major WF Pod. YouTube.com slash Major WF Pod. You can see the history of the Hasbro episode. You can see me doing a fig bath, cleaning some LJNs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Up in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice, smooth fig bath. I do like the YouTube channel, the YouTube thing. I think you guys do a real good job on that YouTube channel. Did you watch me taking a fig bath? I mean, I can't. You get real sensual with the fig bath, and it starts to creep me out. <laughs> but it did. It is good for tips. Like it is good for technique. Because I don't know if you know this. A lot of my figs, not in the best condition. Some of them need a fig bath. So it's like uh, well, Hasbro. You can't, you can't fig bath the Hasbro because you'll ruin the click, click, click. Right. I want to see. I, we should do a YouTube video of your Hasbros and see which actions do the click, click, click. Like don't work. And just do the click, 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 click. Oh, I'll do it. That would be that would be dangerous for me. Even the ones I've replaced. <laughs> I can't guarantee oh, all the click, click, clicks. Talking about, right? Yeah, of course, of course. When you do the move and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, my my, the click, the click. my ultimate warrior jumper is in two pieces, like the legs here, the torso here. It's it's disgusting. Unbelievable. <laughs> I appreciate well, your time, nice man. Chat. This Maybe was fun. one day you'll come on our pod. Anytime you want. Well, we use Zoom over there, though. <laughs> well, I like the recordings better on Skype. And plus, it's okay. just the two of us. If it were more than two, we'd do Zoom. I don't have any like you know, stock in Zoom or anything. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think cause Skype is free. And you got to pay for Zoom, right, Sam? That's the. <laughs> well, you know I like free. I, my preference <laughs> is free. You know, you guys are like Sam always collects his figures six months behind. But if you want to get them first, there's usually a premium, and I'm not I'm not big into paying those premiums. You know, You're in the Elite Squad now get it for free. That's we get it. Maybe you could. That's what you could do. Right. That could be your legacy in the Elite Squad is to get some free figures because we couldn't do it. Oh we yeah, couple, we got a couple here and there. But you, as Elite Squad members, you guys should get every Elite. You know what? You know what? One yeah, of the right few. Down. I, I will. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. And by the way, every free figure that I get, I will be right on social media, and I will be bragging about all of it. Because <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, if you think I'm a heel now, 
<laughs> please, please beg about it. Please. Wait till, wait till I just tell corporate Steve to just send me all of them, just to watch everybody just lather up. Oh, you. <laughs> all right, man. I appreciate the time, buddy. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.